Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. It's World Cup Watch today. Around the grounds talking India, Australia, Pakistan, England. We'll also cover New Zealand A and India A, the White Ferns, um, and also a new topic as well. But we'll leave you in suspense on that one. All coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. So guys, we're going to start with a little bit of an around the grounds in terms of a World Cup watch. So squads have been named for the tournament starting in Baldi's home nation, Australia. I think the 14th of October, 16th of October, sometime around then, um, the tournament kicks off. But we've got T20 cricket galore around the world at the moment. India, Australia um, and Pakistan, England going on at the moment. Baldi, what have you got your eye on in that India-Australia series, particularly, I guess, who's sort of, you know, I know they're on the plane, but whose stock's sort of rising and, and maybe got the business class seat uh, rather than sitting down the back in economy on the way to that tournament? Yeah, all-rounder injuries is going to be the, the topic of conversation in Australia for the next month or so. Doubt over Mitchell Marsh, doubt over Marcus Stoinis, waiting in the wings is Cameron Green, who was opening the batting in the India series and looked like an absolute world beater again. If you can find Cameron Green stock, buy it. If there's any leftover, I'll buy it. Don't worry, I'll take it all. Looks it's, like it's, it's going to be it's, it's going through the roof, isn't yeah. it? it was, and w- wait till that IPL auction comes, and then that's when you cash in. That's when you get your dividend because he's going to be a very, very rich man after that. Mm. That, that him opening the series, no Warner's not there, but that was kind of just like a we're just we're just going to do this, and you know why not? Why not? But he's firmed up as a realistic, a viable option to replace Aaron Finch, right? Absolutely, and move it going forward. Absolutely, and if you think about the options for Australia in the middle order, if Marcus Stoinis is a little bit out of form or he doesn't come back from injury quite the same, then, you know, up until I think the 15th of October or something like that, Australia can change their squad uh, without penalty. And then once the World Cup starts, the only way you can change it is if someone is out for the whole tournament, uh, in which case Green might come in for Stoinis at, at any point. I think if anyone gets injured, Green's just a lock now. It's, it's not even a so discussion. So they have travelling reserves, right? So there's three people, I think, that travel with each um, team. I don't know about it's a hangover from COVID or, or whether that's just something that's always been the case. But he's not in the squad right now, but... Can be changed up until the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, do you think they make any of those changes based on this series? Well, geez, you'd have to you'd have to think about it. I mean, it would be very bold for Australia to drop. I mean, who are you going to drop? You're going to drop Finch, very unlikely. The only other person that you could drop is Steve Smith. But if you have a look at the lineup that Australia would probably take into that T20 World Cup opener, Warner, Finch, Marsh, pending fitness, Maxwell, Stoinis, pending fitness. Tim David, who we'll talk about, and Matthew Wade, who's in great form and was the reason, not the sole reason, but a big part of Australia's success in the last T20 World Cup as a finisher. So there's your top seven locked and loaded, and then it's a case of who's backing up that um, that batting unit and, you know, what balance do you want if you want Ashton Agar in there at seven and all the rest of it. But that's pretty much the team that's going to go. Smith's not in there, and if you add in Green as well, then you kind of have to leave somebody else out because you can only take four non-play, you know, four guys outside that 11 in your squad. Can, can, can I just, well, you mentioned, the, ran through that, those names. Matthew Wade, could, do I have to, I keep writing him off. I keep thinking, like, he's done. He's, I, that, you know, that World Cup was a fluke. He's been hopeless before then. I kind of, in my head, have just assumed Matthew Wade is hopeless and will be hopeless for the re- end of time. Do I have mm. to just stop that now? Because it keeps uh, just smashing it well, and winning them games. Y- you can have that opinion, but unfortunately <laughs> for, for everyone who is not a Matthew Wade fan, and there are many, he keeps performing. Yeah. He keeps He keeps doing really, really well for Australia. And in that role where you've got 
all of those guys, Marsh, Maxwell, Stoinis, maybe not Maxwell, but Stoinis, all of those guys can all open the batting and bat in the top order. Wade can too. But really, David and Wade are the specialist closers for Australia in that lineup. Mm. And the way that uh, Tim David played in this series and the strike rate that he's had in the IPL in the 2022 edition of the IPL, his strike rate was 180 plus or whatever it is. They're the two ready-made finishes for Australia for me. I just want to extend the you know financial um, analogy that you started the you know the the podcast around the stock of of uh, Cameron Green and if a currency is runs um, Aaron Finch's bank account looks worse than mine to be perfectly <laughs> honest and um, qu- question here really is around you, you said then named up seven players and said they are locked and loaded I, I don't know whether you can lock and load even your skipper when he's so woefully out of form. That's got to be a question mark, particularly when you've got Cameron Green hitting the ball to all parts, looking like a mm. right-handed Matt Hayden cross with Adonis. And, <laughs> you know, you've got this sort of situation where... Uh, who, who do you play for? Um, Greek in the, Greece in the first Olympics, actually, I think. Um, or maybe he's a Roman um, uh, a Roman emperor. Uh, maybe Frio can help us with this one. <laughs> he's, he's better knowledge of mythology than us. But seriously, um, Border, that has to be a concern. I, I know you can kind of paper over it as the captain. He's going to add you some runs, but... I'll, I'll, I'll give Bully a second to think about this. I think what we just talked about with Matthew Wade is what allows Aaron Finch to keep playing. The fact that hear me out the fact that I said uh, the fact that we talked about Wade being the finisher him being a lock him being a keeper and batting at that that position allows them to bat really really deep uh, Finch needs to score runs that's obvious he, he's he's on it in a bit of a downward spiral um, but I think yeah, the depth that they've got at batting with Matthew Wade at 7 is, is what keeps him in the side well and jumping on the back of that the, the fact that they've got the likes of Marsh you know, pending fitness, Marsh, Stoyness, Maxwell, even if it's not one of them and it's Cameron Green, they all bowl. Yeah, it gives them kind of that option. I'm not saying it's the best option to have a player in there that's contributing nothing because you've got all these other players that can do a lot of stuff. But in a way, T20 cricket does sort of work out that way sometimes that you have someone batting at seven that doesn't Mm. do a lot or batting at six. We see it in the IPL where you have sort of a, a young player batting at six who doesn't really contribute a lot to the side but can kind of just be there because everyone else is sort of... But, but very rarely is your opening batter who I, doesn't I contribute I, a lot. I'm not trying to say that they should pick him, but I'm saying that, yeah, they, they can kind of afford that because they've got all the other things. And if he is bringing the teamwork or the, you know, the team spirit and leadership. actually the leadership stuff that is valuable in, in some senses, mm. then maybe it is non Non-playing captain? Well, yeah. The I mean, it was erected at you, you yeah, carry don't, on. Like, look... look. <laughs> In terms of form, it's there's no question. Cameron Green is in much better form than, than Aaron Finch. And Cameron Green at the moment is in better form than Glenn Maxwell, if we're being honest with ourselves. He's in incredible form and Maxwell didn't have a great series. Um, but if you look at the chemistry of that Australian team with Finch as captain and the emotional uh, cachet that you get from sending Finch out on a high, listeners can't see me doing it in air quotes, I think Australia benefit from that a little bit. And what Australia really need from Finch is 20 off eight or 20 off 12, opening the batting. If, if they get one off 13, that's a big hole for everyone to climb out of. But if if Australia can get 20 off eight, say, for the sake of the argument out of Aaron Finch, and the rest of that lineup performs to their potential, then they're probably going to be okay. 
Let's move on to, to mm. India. They've got probably some different problems with their squad. Um, I.e., how can you actually fit all 15 quality <laughs> players into uh, into 11? But, 30 um, players. Yeah. yeah. Um, we asked a couple of, or asked a couple of questions um, off air. Um, for me, one of the things is uh, Dinesh Kartik has had a little bit of a renaissance, um, switching clubs in the IPL, I think, um, this year. Um, and, and finding almost a new role, really, as a finisher. Um, but potentially, you know, you guys seem to think playing in the same side as Rishabh Pant's not an issue because one of them can wear the gloves. It doesn't really matter which way around. That's a question mark for them. But, you know, outside of that, it really is just how quality, particularly that batting lineup looks um, at the moment with the likes of Surakama Yadav. Uh, we've got Pant that we've mentioned, Rohit Sharma, KL Rahul, Hardik Panja is looking absolutely the business um, but yeah what else have we got our eye on with that with that India squad from this series so far for me it's around KL Rahul I think that he showed what he can do in that that first 2020 uh, you know there's been a lot of talk about him getting stuck and slowing down the run rate he scored 60 odd at, at about 200 or just under 200 I think that's what they're looking for from him to sort of bat through the innings. Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli, just they're going, they're going to go out there and play cricket and see what happens, but they need someone to bat deep into the innings. I think that's going to be Kao Rahul. And the other one that, that caught my eye, we've mentioned him a couple of times, is, is Hardik Pandya. He, he really is the heartbeat of that Indian side. Um, so, yeah, if he's playing well, I think India are going to play well. I think I underestimated Pandya's role differently in the... I mean, you know, maybe we're drawing too much from the, the IPL, but... I think the impact that he had with with Gujarat just and and then sort of flowing it on into what he's been doing for India, batting it you know batting higher in the order than he was really getting the opportunity to do for for Mumbai, all of that kind of stuff. It it really does feel like I feel like maybe you said that in one of the you know three months ago, Raj. They need to kind of base their their team around batting around Hardik Pandya at four. And I actually now am thinking, yes, that's exactly what you should be doing because he's such an incredible player. And the fact that he's now sort of appears to be fit enough to be bowling four overs as well and his bowling's looking really good. Mm. I mean, yeah, it, it's making me excited to watch this Indian team and think about what they could potentially do in this tournament. The the balance questions for this Indian team are just absolutely fascinating. I mean, if you think about that, that Hardik at four paradigm and you've got Rishabh Pant in there at five, say, for the sake of the argument, and Kohli at three, then you've got to find, okay, and you've got to have Kartik at seven. Surya Kumar, yeah, that's got to be there. Oh, that, that, that's, that's my point. But, Pant but, can't but, be there. But, I don't think Pant now, will make it. But now you've got, okay, we'll say... That, or, that, it's, that's, or it's Kartik, one but, of them. But think, that's the problem, right? That's the problem because you've got to have a sixth bowling option in there somewhere. So you've got to have either Aksha or Deepak Huda alongside Hardik and then four bowlers. And which four bowlers do you take? Do you take Ashwin? Do you take Chahal? You take Bumrah, obviously, but then who else do you have? Do you have Harshal Patel? Do you have Ashdeep Singh? Do you have Bhuvi Kumar? The balance questions are just just mind-boggling. Actually, I do have a question for you, Baldy, and it's about if you were the Indian side, what would you do with your bowling tactically? So where I'm coming from is that in this series, I feel like Akshay Patel was used as that kind of fallback and he, he bowled really well, took wickets throughout the whole series. His long-standing relationship with the stumps. I enjoyed that. In, um, in, in India, the Indian team can do that. They can fall back to spin. Mm. I don't see, 
I feel like the Indian pace bowling, while good, is it can be a little bit expensive, can be a bit of a downfall for them, leaving their batsmen to win games for them. Mm. What would you be doing in Australia as the Australian, as the Indian team management? Really difficult because they've picked four bowlers there that I think are their frontline pace bowlers, and you need to pick two, if not three, of them. Hardik, and then maybe at least a spinner. If you're not picking Deepak Huda to bowl spin, you need to pick at least, well, Ashwin, Jahal, Akshay, one of them. See, I, I really don't know, if I'm honest. I mean, I would be picking Bumrah and um, Bhuvikuma and then try and get overs out of Hardik, and then you've got to find four overs from Ashwin. Akshar will play. Akshar and then, will play. And then Akshar. Then that's, but, then, but then Akshar has to bat at seven. The lowest he can, the lowest he can bat is at seven then. Whilst Baldy runs through all these permutations <laughs> in his, um, in his brain. Look, we, we talked about it right at the top of the pod in terms of the, the, the rules. So the, the squads can change until the 9th yep. of October, I believe. Um, I've go. just kind of um, looked that up. So they've got that ability. I, I, I think particularly given how well he went in that test series um, in Australia... India have got to look at whether or not Shami's fit um, and get him back into that side. Because at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so I, I think you, you, you've got to have that those seam options. I think um, you look at the way that T Twenty cricket is played in Australia. That that's really been you know probably the big bash has been the success of the likes of AJ Ty, um, Daniel Samus to a certain extent. The, mm. the guys that can bowl one forty, but that can also take pace off with their variations. I think if India go in with three spin options, options um, they could find themselves in a little bit of trouble and Bhuvi Kumar is you know a, as skillful as he is on that, on really really good wickets you could see a couple of games where players get after him and then you know he's almost unpickable so I, I think they've got to maybe look at whether or not they can get Shami into that that squad so well, he's a traveling reserve at the moment yeah. At this point, as things stand now, look, uh, yeah, we could honestly spend thirty minutes just kind of debating India's squad, yeah. the, even the players that aren't in that. You know, if we might touch on the New Zealand uh, A stuff and all the players in the Indian A side that could very well just be in in that side. But I, I have a few questions around the England side. If we're thinking about World Cup, you know, World Cup uh, previews and things, how are they going to get Harry Brook into this side? Because that's the biggest thing that stood out when I've been watching these England Pakistan games. There's, you know, there's a few people missing from that. There's no Stokes. There's no Butler at the moment. There's no Livingston. So you know, those three come back, and suddenly that middle order, top order starts to look a bit crowded. But Brook has just been phenomenal in this series. Yeah, very, potentially very different conditions. But I mean, is he going to play? Do you think? Look, if he finishes the series the way he started the series in Pakistan, the seven uh, seven games that we're playing, and I think game five is this evening, um, New Zealand time. Look, he's he's got to be inked in. Um, I think he's benefited from a couple of things. Um, he's benefited from the fact that Liam Livingston um, is injured. I think an ankle injury. He's expected to be fit for the warm-up games um, prior to the World Cup. Uh, and look, I think he's box office X-factor player, whatever you want to call him. So, you know, I think he comes in. What it probably means is that, you know, they're going to have to make a, a tough decision on David Milan um, because he was, uh, you know, former one-day uh, or T20 player, you know, best best batter. He's fallen from grace a little bit. It, you know, hasn't really had that fluency. Um, so, you know, his place is definitely 
um, definitely at risk. Um, Alex Hales as well. Um, mm. They started the series with him. They've kind of swapped him out and, and given Phil Salt, who's looked really, really good as well. Um, not only in the, you know, the, the couple of opportunities he's had in an England shirt, but also back um, in his T, uh, T20, or oh, sorry, not T20, 100 competition. Um, so th- there's a few permutations there. The one thing I'm pretty sure on with England is they'll show loyalty um, to some of the players that you know have got them to this stage, and that they know their roles in the side. So I'm thinking about the likes of your Chris, uh, your Chris Jordans, um, clearly you, you know your Joss, uh, Joss Butlers, um, and then they've had a little bit of a change, I think, in the pecking order with the the left arm seamer. So Reese Topley's probably come from being down the bottom of the list to probably the first pick on the list as a left arm seamer has been really, really impressive. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, good to see Mark Wood back, and um, yeah, Chris Wokes returning from injury as well. But it looks like he'll be mixing. A little bit of Gatorade, but Brooke, Brooke is in. Um, Brooke is the Brooke will finish his career with a better record than Kevin Peterson. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah, the, this uh, I can't remember whether it was on the pod or not, but the this it does does have uh, signs of Sam Curran is going to finish with the same record as Jacques Callis. <laughs> ring about it, but I do agree. Brooke has looked unbelievable, and um, I mean, you just touched on Wood there. Or so so awesome to see him bowling so quick. At ninety seven miles an hour. <laughs> It's just yeah, awesome. I awesome can't wait stuff. to see that in Australia. That, that, that's gonna that's that gun must have been on the fritz more than Baldy's <laughs> algorithm. Steady not, on. <laughs> it looked quick. Look, yeah, he. You see him. You see, you know, someone like Umran Malik. All these, you know, there is some serious pace out there at the moment. Um, questions so, for Pakistan, I think. Um, top of the order. Uh, Raj, you're going to jump in there first, I think. I, I was, but I'll I'll continue with your train of train of thought there, or with the segue you've gone with. Uh, what I like about the Pakistanis, and I'll be honest, I have seen very little of this series, but what I like is how they are batting their best batsmen at the top of the order. Um, I'm, I'm a massive advocate for this. I think I've, I've spoken about Steve Smith in his prime being probably could have been one of the greatest 2020 openers we've ever seen if he actually um, if he opened the batting. But, I mean, that chased in, what, 200 mm-hmm. for none? I saw that the other day. Um, I just like those sort of tactics, and I like, like what I'm seeing there. But, sorry, I don't have much more to contribute there. Yeah, my, my question was, you know, was on that theme that Baba Azam and, and Mohamed Rizwan have looked absolutely brilliant, but the backup cast haven't mm. really come to the party. I think um, we saw, I think Sham Massoud had, had one good innings, but they've kind of then capitulated a little bit. And it's almost like they're having to, or trying to play the role of getting the team off to a, a start at eight, nine and over. They're then trying to sort of go down a gear and um, go through that cruise period to be in a position to then up the rate again, rather than having players that are filling those, you know, filling those roles in a slightly different way. So I think that's got to be the concern for them. I think particularly on Australian pitches because you know you'll find that, that you know Babar Azaman and Rizwan will undoubtedly you know come off a couple of times, um, but they are going to need a little bit of that um, of that depth as they as they go through the tournament. Would be my takeaway from watching them uh, watching them play. But again, been really really impressed with their pace attack as well um, some guys that are bowling really good wheels which um, yeah is always Harris exciting Ralph. to see Ooh. yeah absolutely if you guys actually uh, look at a lot of social media and you know you look at all these Pakistani cricket threads and things like that what I find really interesting and it's, it's the same as we talked about going into the last 2020 World Cup is that they genuinely believe that they can win games and go really really deep mm. into this tournament and I think that, that you know having those superstars like Baba Azam uh, Rizwan and the, the bowlers Charlie Shaheen and um, Nassim you know, Shah. Ralph yeah, all, those guys. Shah, all of those guys if they step up that's great 
but they have a supporting cast that actually believe they can win games as well. Mm. Um, so that, that, that's something I'm looking forward to as well. Oh, this this side's going to be so dangerous in the World Cup. On any game, Pakistan could beat anybody, and regardless of whether or not they win, they're going to they're going to ruin somebody else's World Cup. Pakistan, I guarantee it. Like they're going to ruin a contender's whether it's India or Australia or England or someone, Pakistan are going to ruin someone's day at this T20 World Cup because Baba Azam and Rizwan are going to go off and make 270 for none in 20 overs and set a world record, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, it how do we chase that? It wouldn't be surprising, to be it honest. It Th- those two, they are unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. Well, look, the World Cup just around the corner, I'm sure we're going to talk plenty more about that um, as we get a little bit closer to the business end and p- potentially after those squads have been finalised and locked and loaded on the 9th of October, uh, we'll have a little bit more of a preview show. Let's move on. We mentioned it earlier on, New Zealand, um, India A has been yeah, look, fascinating to follow for, from afar. Um, again, question as to the relevance to this, to any of the sort of T20 stuff, but um, Lippy, some impressive performances? Well, there has there has been and there hasn't been. So New Zealand A have come away from they played three unofficial tests. I think they're called four day games against India A, um, and one game rained off, one game drawn, one game lost, and then played three one days, lost them all. So you know you look at the face of that it hasn't been that impressive. You look at the scores in the one days, they haven't been very impressive either. Really struggling to kind of get up to two hundred even in most of these games. But I think it's really difficult to actually say without like there's been no video footage of this got chatting to an um an indian journalist yesterday on twitter just trying to get you know garner a bit of information he was at the game providing updates you know who's actually been bowling well for new zealand because that's sort of you know when i look at this i'm trying to figure out i'd be the person who'd be sitting up watching the youtube footage of this like over the india pakistan or the england pakistan and over the australia india stuff so trying to figure out actually what how well have people played rather than you know the performances they've put on the board yeah, I guess when, when I look at these scorecards, because that's what we've got to look at, I guess what do we take away from it is my question. What I take away from it is I felt like we are actually lacking in the ODIs, the ability to penetrate with the ball. Mm. Um, I know, you know, we did struggle to, to score runs with the bat, but I, I don't know if those pitches were 300 pitches, 250 pitches. Possible they, to know, isn't it? it? It's really hard to know, but I, I, I feel like that's where we were probably lacking a little bit with penetration with the ball. Yeah, well, when you look, yeah, like you say, when you look through the scorecards, you see the likes of Van Beek, uh, Matt Fisher, who's you know very young, new on the scene, and and Jacob Duffy, and you you know you would say if those three were in your ODI lineup in New Zealand, then they're not the you know the first three names that come to mind when it's picking up wickets, and then you get into your spinners, you've got Ripon, you've got Joe Walker, and you've got Ratchan Ravinder, who's actually I think bowled the most overs on this tour, which. Surprises me a little bit when you're trying to, when you're thinking about the balance of these spinners, and um, I would guess that it suggests that he's bowled quite well, which is which is something that's quite encouraging. Um, Ripon obviously is someone else that we're looking at, you know, in and around that that New Zealand side for tours. You know, we've obviously got the tour to Pakistan coming in uh, in end of December and into January. Then you know you look at the next World uh, Test Championship cycle. Our away tours are Sri Lanka. Uh, India and Bangladesh, I think. So it's, you know, all of this developing the spin network is incredibly important. And the likes of those three people, along with, you know, AJS Patel, who, you know, should still be available and around for that cycle. There's something we've talked about a lot, but I think that's probably, hopefully, the biggest thing that these guys have got from this tour when, you know, results, yeah, impossible to know what, what to 
what to actually make of the results on the field. Just picking up on on, on Rachin Ravindra there, uh, we talked about before this tour. We wanted to see. Well, I wanted to see some runs from him. A little bit of a little, a little, being dangerous with the ball. He doesn't necessarily need to go out there and be a be a wicket taker, but just bowl well, bowl for long periods. I think he's done that with the ball. Um, I think he's got a sixty odd in one of the ODIs. He hasn't really, for me, come off with the bat at the top of the order there through six or seven, eight bats. Yeah, most of the guys, apart from Joe Carter, who you know we talked about last week, went you know really performed really well in those four day games. Apart from him, it's been scratchy. We've had a yeah, we've had a sixty uh, an eighty odd, I think, in the last game from from Dane Cleaver. We've had runs from Chapman at various times. We've had I think even Chad Bowes scored a few runs the other day. Ripon scored some runs. We've yeah, it's. It's sort of been one performance. It hasn't, apart from Joe Carter, just lining up those runs in those four days. It's it's been pretty patchy. So yeah, I, I'm keen to kind of talk to some players from that squad, trying to get a bit of a gauge of what they've actually learned from that tour. But um, yeah, we're probably not going to find that out just from looking at scorecards, unfortunately. And Lippy, a quick word on the White Ferns as well. Yeah, look, all I really want to say about them is that the it feels like the Ben Sawyer experience that we touched on a little bit when we talked to Sophie Devine and, we, and you know, then moved on into the Commonwealth Games that it's going really well. Yeah. I, 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 I think that's the big takeaway from this. We've gone now, we've had the Commonwealth Games, as I said, really successful. Now we've gone to West Indies. We've, the T20 series is about to start. I think it starts overnight, uh, five T20s. So we'll see how that goes. But the three ODIs win the first two, won the series. Again, batting a bit scratchy when Devine and Bates don't get runs. No, Probably no great surprise there. Oh, shout out to Lauren Down, though. Lauren Down made runs, friend of the show, Lauren Down, and uh, has performed really well coming into that New Zealand squad, uh, or coming back, I should say, from that broken thumb into that New Zealand squad. And, and I think you're, you're right to point that out because the, the second game that they won, the ODI, it was a game where Bates and Devine only scored 16 runs. And I think, you know, they're only chasing 160-odd. But in, in, you know, you look through that lineup in recent times, when those two players don't score runs, when we've already taken Satterthwaite out, which is... You know, separate conversation that we've had many, you know, over overdone now. But when those those players are not there, it's been really difficult. And Maddie Green stepped up, scored some runs. We had kind of contributions across the board, and some of those young players that are being brought in. We've seen Izzy Gaze behind the stumps has taken some really great catches in this tour. Fran Jonas, who was a controversial selection during the World Cup, has actually, I think, gone from strength to strength. Really to strength. has improved. She's been huge in this uh, in the Commonwealth Games. I thought she was really good bowling in some pressure situations, and then even moving into this series, she's bowled yeah really economically, picking up wickets. Eden Carson getting an opportunity, picking up wickets. I think there's some really encouraging signs that the players we're bringing in are actually starting to put numbers on the board, which is, yeah, that, that's what you want. So, yeah, hopefully these next T20s go just as well. And um, and then I think we've got Bangladesh at home for, for the White Ferns. So, yeah, a bit of cricket for them. Well, we'll finish the podcast talking about the last international game of the English summer. And we're going to ruin a perfectly good podcast <laughs> with um, with talk of the Mancad, just like that game uh, was ruined by that um, little few days ago. But joking aside, what are our thoughts on this? It's blown up on the social media um, all around the world. You know, there's clearly um, you know a level of uproar. Players from all over the world chiming in with their uh, two cents worth, and and it's been both ways as well. It hasn't been uh, one way traffic. Board has got both arms in the air, um, so you know. It, let's go to Raj. Far be it for you. <laughs> Look, far be it for me to to uh, derail your your beautiful opener there to what is going to be a controversial uh, 
conclusion to this podcast. But would, can we just talk about the cricket in that game for for a little bit? Because uh, it was uh, Julian Goswami's last game for India after a, like an eighteen or nineteen year career, two hundred and fifty plus international wickets. That's a career that that should be celebrated um, at, at its conclusion because she's been a terrific servant for India. She's been a world class player for almost twenty years. But it's all been overshadowed by the yep. controversy at the end of the game. It was a terrific comeback from England to get within whatever a, a dozen runs, runs, runs yeah. or yeah something like that. The ninth wicket, tenth wicket partnership was outstanding. But all of this has been overshadowed by a conclusion to the game um, that was yeah. I mean, where do we want to go from here? I I I despair honestly. Can can I just say the I, there's obviously all this uproar. Why, why don't the ICC just change the rule? Like, it feels like everyone hates the mancad. What? Why? Why can't they just change the rule to to do something to stop all of this? Like either say the mancad is a rule. If you get out in the mat by mancad, it's completely fine. They have. Like, they, they, have have they have. And they've called it, and they've changed its name to a run out now. So yeah. they, they've they've changed the rule. They've done that. Well, uh, and they've changed the rule twice in the last twenty years. I think haven't they? Mm. Well, then everyone just has to get to the, get with the program. To be quite honest, if that's the rule. Then, the, the, then that's an acceptable way to the, get out. The the problem is though that the law, the way that it's written is quite frankly ridiculous. <laughs> the the way that it's worded is um, that the batsman uh, or batter, I can't remember the exact wording, but it, it talks about the instant when the bowler would normally have been expected to release the ball. Now Raj and I were talking about this on the way up. We might reasonably have a different opinion on when the bowler was reasonably expected to have delivered the ball. Mm. I might think it's when the back foot impacts. Raj might think it's when the front foot impacts. Baldy might think it's when the arm is past the perpendicular. It it doesn't really matter, but does it? That's open to interpretation. A very simple way is to say when the ball is released, that that is the point that the batter can leave their crease. If they do it before, um then, sorry, tough luck, um, it's out. There's a whole other bit of conjecture around this and people probably with a lot more and less experience and knowledge of cricket, you know, weigh in with their, well, it wouldn't happen in my day and, you know, you don't want to win a game of cricket like that. That's all crap, to be honest. Uh, the, the rule is there to say it's out. Um, but, you know, I think it's left a sour taste on the end of a you know a fantastic career, as Baldy's pointed out. It's ruined what would have been a probably a pretty decent game of cricket, mm. um, and, and something has got to change from a lawmaking perspective so that either it can't happen again, or when it does, it, it's unequivocal mm. that it's happened in that way. So I feel like I feel like we've Big made breath. yeah we, we 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 have made this rod for our own back to some extent from a cricketing perspective, needing to know exactly when somebody is out to the you know hundredth of a degree if the, half the ball is within a, a stump, for example. Cricket Cricket's beauty is not that. Cricket's beauty is that it's a game played with that sort of spirit, sort of spirit of the game. The same argument can be said if it's in the rules, if a batsman blocks the ball down, picks it up and gives it a short leg, they can appeal and he's out. But they don't. You don't see that. So why why is that any different to this this this, this man cat? I can understand if people are sprinting off down the down the pitch, but but I just feel like this is something that doesn't didn't need to be fixed. Mm. And I'm doing the air quotes as well. Yeah, good for you. Like. I think the the thing that <laughs> <laughs> patronising. I like it. <laughs> I didn't mean that to sound like that. <laughs> I actually meant to, uh, that didn't yeah, that didn't come out quite as I intended. I apologise, Raj, for sounding patronising. Baldy's shown his true colours on the podcast Sorry here, folks. Sorry about that. Um, 
The reason that this is controversial, and I haven't prepared any remarks about this, but I'm going to speak off the cuff. Oh, oh dear, that's always the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Give me, give me, give me ninety seconds. You, you set two two stills through on the on the Slack channel in preparation for this podcast. And if you have a look at when the bowler's back foot lands, the batter's bat is in the crease. The batter is paying attention to what's going on. She's clearly not trying to pinch a run. The bowler is in the process of delivering the ball. Their back foot has landed, and then the batter has just gone. Yep, that ball is going to be bowled. I'm now going to pay attention to what's going on at the other end. She's taken a step, maybe two, outside. She's not taking off for a run. She's not trying to steal a run baseball style. The bowler has bowled, stopped, turned around, and then taken the bails off. Whilst looking at the batter the whole time, by yeah, the way, with so, no intention of delivering the ball. So, well, and she, she may have at some point, but she's obviously, like, she's changed her mind and decided, well, hang on, that, that you know, she's, she's showed some game awareness there. I think once you get into the action of bowling the ball, like once your back foot lands or what, like whatever the rule is, it just needs to be really clear for the batter. The expectation of, you know, when the normie, like whatever your wording was, Adam, is, is open. It's not my lo- wording, it's the so, MCC's wording. The wording yes, that yeah. you have quoted, yes. I apologise. I was wrong. And Raj, I apologise, I was wrong. Um, I made that sound patronising. The, 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 the line we're going down, I guess, is for me is the actual problem. Right to get get this out of the game is it's, it's like lying down in soccer or lying down in rugby league. Mm. You're never going to get rid of that. But just don't do it. Mm. And then you don't have to worry about. Yeah, people exactly. Getting involved. And, and, if you, and I suppose that was my point at the start. I think either you have to say this is a rule. We're going to like people are going to get out this way a lot, or you know, semi regularly, or you have to say, look, you know, we're not going to do like you have to give two warnings or you know whatever it is. Do it enough so that there's. Only it's only going to happen if someone is blatantly cheating, and you know you have to structure it in that way that it's very black and white about how you you have this discussion, and yeah, we're not talking about little things things on a screenshot. We're talking about oh yes, that was a legitimate wicket, or oh you know what a terrible display of sportsmanship. Yeah, Raj Raj has already Raj has already solved this on the way up to podcast. To be honest, so um, he says get rid of the man card. Um, but if a batter is trying to steal ground, in the umpire's opinion, they get a warning. The second time they do it, it's five penalty runs, and the third time um, they get shot by the sniper from the top of the stat. No, that was my thing for um, over eights, wasn't that it? Was but, over eights, yeah. Um, yeah, more penalty runs. So yeah, I, I like that. I, the, five runs. I, I just take this from uh, now being as well as a lover of the game, an under twelve cricket coach. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, how do you police it at an under-12 uh, level, right? I would hate now, having seen Ashwin do this in the IPL, having seen it now on the international stage in this India-England game. Oh, West so, Indies Zimbabwe as well, I think, from yeah, the under-19 under World, World Cup, Cup yep. final, I think. Some, yeah, yeah, it might have even been the final, yeah. So we, we see, we've seen some... I, I would hate that one of my 12-year-olds lands and goes, ah, gone burger. <laughs> and as an, umber, as an umpire, you're going to have to... How, Give that out. How interested is everybody right now to know what Binksy would do in that situation? <laughs> yeah. He's the umpire. Your son's bowling and he's taking the bales off and the batsman's out of their you crease. Just high five your what son do you, you got to do there? Hands in the air. I, 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 look, I, I think I would have to talk to my captain and say, my recommendation here is that you don't appeal yep. for this. Yep. Um, and then. See, you know, but that's the problem is that you're going to get copycat behaviour. And do we really want to see that? Um, I don't blame India for this whatsoever. It was in the rules. They're entitled to do it. 
I think that we have to look at it from a cricketing point of view. Do we want that to be a dismissal in the game? Yep. Um, a little bit similar to, do we really want timed out to be an issue if someone gets lost on the way out at Lord's Down, the very many steps that are in that pavilion? Are we really going to stick three minutes on the clock and well, say, it, s- sorry? Oh, all, all this is doing is putting more stress on all of the dreams that we have where we can't find our pads. Like, that, that is the, the <laughs> first thing I thought when I saw that rule change of two minutes. I was like, oh, that's even worse now. Yeah, when I, when absolutely. I'm, when I'm sweating, cold sweats at night and I can't find my pads, it's just worse. It's ridiculous. Um, I think we've solved it though. We've solved it. If you if you remove it as a mode of dismissal and and put it in the unfair play category and make the owner on the batsman not to steal bases effectively or not to try and steal runs, this problem goes away. And it's the same as fake fielding. It's the same as you know all of that kind of stuff. It, it, it becomes an unfair play thing, and then this it, this problem gets solved. And I think that's fine because then it's then it's enforceable at every level of cricket, right? You don't have to worry about. As a like as a fifteen year old umpiring a senior game on a Saturday afternoon, how does that fifteen year old then adjudicate on a on a mancad decision? It, it makes it easier for them if they don't have to. If they can if they can adjudicate it under unfair play, which admittedly is harder kind of for a fifteen year old to make a judgment call, but that by 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 that by the wayside. Just these umpires, you're putting a fifteen year old under a lot of pressure, buddy. Anyway, well, we, we've got we've got previous on this yeah. real life it, examples, it, but, but it happens, right? But it, but that but but that's what happens if you make rules ambiguous. Then then the interpretation of those rules at club level becomes a, a point of contention, and that's where fights start on a cricket field. And, and most importantly, podcasters like us don't have ten minutes worth of pointless material to stick into their podcast but look that probably does just about wrap up this episode of this week in cricket as we said earlier in the show we will be back in your podcast feed to talk all about the t20 world cup that's upcoming with previews we've got hall of fame um just recorded this evening that's going to drop in your feed as well please do listen in as we get to the business end uh, 10 through 8 um so we're into the top 10 cricketers of all time and of course dip back into the back catalogue whether you want to view it on youtube with our video podcast um or dip back into the audio back catalogue with famous players writers and a whole host more from the world of cricket um please do jump onto the toporderpodcast.com to find out any more details but for now it's good night and god bless from us all here in auckland see you soon good night